What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? I just watched your mouth. I watched your mouth as we went know. through it, and I think I, when we send these, I kept both, my eyes closed. You kept your eyes. I kept closed, my ears closed, and uh, <laughs> you just went for it. I just watched your mouth and sang along. We'll send these two voice memos to Jeremy, and he'll patch it together while we take our plane ride home tomorrow. So I wish the screen of my phone would stay on while we record, but it goes black every so often. Um. Well, do you know what I mean? Just keep checking in with it. I'm holding mine okay. up and just checking in. So, so listeners, we just had a, a brief moment of technical difficulties. We're going to recap. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of force us to recap some of the conversation. I we just had a great convo. We had a great convo. It's gone. <laughs> it's partially on your phone. Oh no, you deleted it. I I deleted it because I, what Whatever. is the, there's nothing interesting about hearing my side of the response to. And the Cares Mocker. I mean, it's sort of conceptual. <laughs> what part's conceptual? But just listening to you listen and then say things to nobody. Yeah, that's you know? it, it is, and and it's about Anna Cares Mocker. Um, long story short, we want to have Anna Cares Mocker on the podcast. Mark Crusoe, please invite her in. Um, read, watched. <laughs> what is it? It's on YouTube. It's her and Rosalie Goldberg. So, bro, okay. God, I know, so, I know. It's really this know, is really where we just insane. we just. It's like why do we have a podcast? Well, so because we <sighs> we like to um, chat about stuff and sometimes dance. Long form art project. It is the so, longest form art project of our lives. <clears throat> so, all this to say, I Mark Crusalat, uh has brought me mail, which goes to his house sometimes because Harriet used to live there but he's not going to be in Cunningham class this week because he is rehearsing with Anna Trace to Kiersmacher for West Side Story and which is going to be on Broadway on Broadway directed by Evo Van Hove who you've never seen one of his shows but I would love to have taken you to an Evo Van Hove show I don't know what you think of it but Anna Trace to Kiersmacher is on a YouTube video being interviewed by Rosalie Goldberg prior to um, one of the performances of Brandenburg at the Armory, and essentially Rosalie Goldberg is like, you know, we're about to go into this marvelous show, which got an amazing reception in Berlin, and what would you like the audience to think and feel upon seeing your show? And then Anna Teresa de Kiersmacher essentially gave her a huge eye roll and was like, I don't care. I don't think people should have to be made to feel anything seeing the show. And, um... And uh, what did she say? She 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 said, as soon as I start to feel I'm watching a show where someone is insisting I feel something, I start to yawn. Start to yawn. So anyways, everyone YouTube that, Anastasia Secures, Mocker Armory, Brandenburg, and then fast forward to the end. But the whole conversation is really good. She she will give you a dance history lesson about American modern dance, and that's great. I mean, it's good to... It feels vindicating to hear a European choreographer talking about the importance of American modern dance. That, yeah. Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's not a competition. It's not a competition. It's just about resources, which is that the resources there are are exponentially so much more than what they are here. And right. that we have these people who are... I was recently thinking about 
you know, why dance and what, what have I loved from it? Um, as I was before, you know, just as when you realized that your voice memo wasn't recording, we were talking about that. I'm out here with Joe. I've been hanging out with Joe and Lauren, um, from SF ballet. And we had a, a big talk yesterday just about ballet and dance and choreographers and, um, what's going on. And as I was contemplating why dance, I thought about Juliana May's show and mm. Beth Gill's show and these, these works that I have felt so moved in this past year. And then think about the resources for, let's just say those two artists and not much. No. And you know, that's, it is this thing of like that, of where, we have watched friends of ours who've gone to Europe to get that Euro, honey. I remember being at a Bessie's years and years ago, like when the Bessie's would still give you like a thousand dollars or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting next to Miguel and um, Meg Stewart got one and she wasn't there. She wasn't at the, the Bessie's to get it. But it was just this thing of, I, I remember Miguel and I having some sort of exchange about a thousand dollars from the Bessie's versus like, whatever it is that the the sort of um, platform of support that one receives if you're located in Berlin, Brussels, Paris, etc. Mm-hmm. And I think that is why it can feel vindicating to, vindicating to hear someone like Anna de Kiersmacher, who has a lot of support, has a school, right? Uh, talk about uh, this work from over here. Well, I... I feel like, and I might be wrong, but I do feel like I've had, like, mm, I've known, I do know, European choreographers or, like, people who dance in Europe or are European dancers who will essentially be like, well, you know, the things that are important to you in dance in America are important to you because uh, it's, like, where you come from. And, like, mm. that's, that's like, what the development of dance in America has been. And part of me is, like, I don't... I mean, yes, of course, but also, like, um, the dance that... Like, modern dance comes from America. That is correct. I mean, and maybe, I mean, I could be wrong, and I know that there are some modern dance pioneers in Europe, but, like, modern dance and the trajectory into contemporary dance comes from America. Yes. And I'm sorry, like Ohad Naharin is essentially an American choreographer. That, that is, came from Graham. Forsyth is American. Right. Pina Bausch is from Paul Taylor. Right. Anna Teresa de Kiersmacher got her most important schooling in America. So I'm sort of like, is it? I mean, like, America is such an important source of like the development of modern and contemporary dance in the world so sometimes when people talk about it as if like oh well you only like that kind of formalism or that kind of thing because mm. america mm-hmm. and i'm like uh-uh <laughs> yes no. queen go off <laughs> i'm like good luck i mean there is no dance as we know it without you know the american trajectory and the pioneers of american dance who like completely revolutionized the art form. Well, and what's so difficult is in the destruction of the NEA that used to support individual artists and and then had this shift and sort of where, I mean, when I think of the interview we did with Terry, when he was receiving, what, like 12,000 a year back in 
uh, you know, the 80s and just sort of future project that to now? Like, what would that be like if Juliana Beth, me, had had access to something like that? And um, I think there's also this kind of... Uh, I, when I th- I'm, I'm thinking of one choreographer in particular who I'm not going to mention from who is from Europe who would talk about the kind of poverty of the American chore- uh, experimental choreographic landscape and how like her productions just weren't um, you know she didn't have all this basically sort of like uh, sets I guess <laughs> you know like um, giant some sort of giant turbine blowing revolving turntable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I was like, well, we've, we've had to make do and we've also had to really refine, uh, what we're saying. And it's, uh, the complexity of the American, uh, artist in its political landscape, I think also creates this, um, intensity uh, or can create an intensity that you know I'm sure, and, and that I that I I do feel is part of. I mean, I I really think about Martha a lot inside of that. I mean, Martha was right. invited to go and study with Mary Vigman. Well, yeah, and that she is was one like of an important European dance pioneer. Yes, yeah, and I can look at those two, and especially if I'm thinking about the the shake and break out of ballet, um, but yeah. I think that is all of all of those things too are are part of why I can imagine it feeling vindicated to hear Anna talk about that. Anna, come on the podcast, tell us more. Um, oh, what I was saying before we realized that your voice memo wasn't recording is that Joe and Lauren <laughs> um, talked about. So I'm out here in SF. It rained all the first day, the day before I got here, the day I got here. The weather cleared up from the smoke. Um, but in class, they were having to wear masks. Wow. And the, because the, it's like bad at 100, but at 200, it's toxic. And they mm-hmm. had gotten um, equipment that were inside the studios at SF Ballet. And it was showing that it was 200, Whoa. above 200 in the studio. So they were doing class and going, doing rehearsals with masks on. Wow, Drama. I mean, the weather is going to reclaim us. It's going to really like, bye, girl. So it seems. So it seems. So it seems. My mother's been saying it for years. She's like, I don't know why anybody would have children. I mean, when you when you look around and you're like, um, at what's happening? It is really, oh, girl. It's not great. It's not great. It's really. Not great. It's been, it's insane. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm, um, I'll be donating for help at the border today on Giving Tuesday, but it's really those images. It's all, it's, it's heartbreaking beyond. Um, you were backtracking. You were in Germany. Uh, Things- I went to Germany. Sorry, I'm a little distracted. I'm leaving. I'm making sure the light of my computer is shining on me so you can see me. But it's also a slideshow of photos, which are like my life sliding. You do really have that on that computer. The photos of your 
life sliding in front of you. I can't believe you have that on your computer. I would never do Here's that. Here's a picture of you and me and Tomoko from ABT, who's the wardrobe supervisor. Oh, yeah. And we must have been at Whipped Cream. Um, I think we went... We did go backstage during Whipped Cream. We also went backstage for Sleeping Beauty. Here's a photo of a woman I absolutely have no idea who she is. And she's, <laughs> eating a do- a, she's eating a donut. And there she is, part of your life. Uh-huh. Woman Somehow. eating donut. Um, Ex-boyfriend. Which one? Uh, Rob Austin Allen. I can't remember who that died. I didn't meet him. I don't think you did. I don't think I did either. It was just one of those summers where I was just like, you know. Hey. I, I, he was really nice. Hey, you. How did you meet him? Oh, I'm sure. Like, oh, I remember. It was like OkCupid okay or something. Uh-huh. And then we met at this restaurant in Fort Greene called Walters. Okay. And when I walked in and I saw him sitting at the bar, I was certain that he was going to feel he'd made a mistake because he was so good looking. Oh, that's so great. Okay. I understand. I've had that feeling I w- before. I really was like, oh, he, he is going to excuse himself. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to show up and he's going to be like, oh, I'm feeling really sick. Oh, I got to go. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but he was really lovely. And then we spent some time together. What did he do as a job? He was the assistant to Walton Ford, who's like a famous watercolorist, oh. amongst other things. D- has he ever come to see like a show or anything? Did he come to the Guggenheim? Uh, Do you guys? I don't know. That was in, many years ago, Jack. Keep in touch. I know. Oh, keeping in touch with. Keeping in touch. Well, I don't. I could keep see. In touch? See, I could see you doing that. I mean, that's not. That is decidedly no. something I do not I do. I do. I run into him from time to time, but I. Where I, on the, earth do you run into him? This person sounds City. outside of our wheelhouse in every which way. Yeah, what he? Well, I ran into him at a coffee shop once. Huh. Uh, subway platforms. I've got a lot of exes, and I've never run into them. Oh, that's not true. What work? Oh, God. <laughs> Remember when I saw Matthew Rogers coming out of the subway, like, last year? That is, and I hadn't seen him in years and years. I mean, talk about run-ins. I mean, you see him all the time. I do not see him all the time. I saw no, him. No, but just, like, that New Year's Cunningham show. I've, you know, like Since he, we broke up, I think I saw him. Up three to four times in the last decade so you know not much okay not much that's really wow 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 decade decade can't you remember when a decade was substantial and now it's just a drop in the bucket (laughs) 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 that's that's really true that's really true in the elena ferrante books which i do hope you read event like finish them all i'm already done with two of them (gasps) uh in book three, there's a chapter that starts with, and it's titled Old Age, and it begins with them at 35. Yeah. That's it. Well, I mean, also I watched the preview for the series. I've watched the first two episodes. Cried. The, cried. It looks exactly how I imagined it. Oh. Like, the way the girls look, the way yeah. the town looks, yeah. the way... I'm like, that... They couldn't have nailed it harder in terms of, like, production aspects. I watched the trailer, I, the because, you know, I know the guy who's a producer on it, and so I watched the trailer in his office, like, last spring, cried. Like, I was like, that's it. Um, the series, I watched really the first two episodes. It. The girls read, 
Reed, you have got to watch it. I missed a few words. You said the girls. Do you see it says poor connection? Jack. Huh? You hung up, but somehow this has got to work out. I hope that that works better. Um, the, the first two ep- the girls, you're gonna, it's, do you have HBO or whatever? No, but I can, like, buy them for $1.99 or whatever. Oh, okay. Or, you know, guests, if anyone has an HBO account you wanna lend, um, I think I, I don't know how we, I think we have a friend's account who we loan it off of. I'm sure I can... I'm sure there can be like three devices logged to it. The cast is incredible. Everyone looks exactly like what you would picture. Um, It is, it's, it's so beautiful. My only point of umbrage is Max Richter is the composer. Oh, how cliche. And there are some big sections that are very, you know, if you're obsessed with the books or deeply, you know, everything in those books feels so deeply meaningful if you're an obsessional fan like I am. So there's a section where there's this Max Richter song that plays during the stone throwing. I mean, it's Max Richter all the time, but there's, and it's, it's a one you, we all know, we've all heard it. Like I was like, I think I've seen 50 dances to this. I mean, hasn't Anna DeKirzmacher used Max Richter? I don't think so. She's not that simple. Yeah, I'm work, <laughs> honey. I'm sorry, everybody. Yes. Sometimes it's really pretty. I get it. I mean, so that part feels... The choice of Max Richter feels really hard. I'm just... I'm not here for it. But everything else, I'm here for the show. I, the, the acting is incredible. It's all Italian unknowns. And... Oh my God! Do you remember in the first book when Leela's dad throws her out of a window? Yes. <laughs> and she lands in the courtyard, and she looks up at Lenu, and says, "And she's broken her arm, but before she passes out, she looks up excitedly and says, 'I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt.' And the way this—who knows how old this girl is? Ten, eleven? The way she delivered those two lines, I like—I lost my mind. Wow. I could. I was like. It is, I uh, it should, I hope it wins all the awards, except best music. Well, um, it'll win, um, you know, Emmys or whatever. Golden Globes. Um, that's really good. On the, I thought of you, because on the plane I watched a bunch of movies, but on the plane I watch, I, I always watch movies and fast forward mm-hmm. on planes, because I'm like, I'm just going to get through a few oh, of these Oh, I did that trash. with, a, with a, this movie called um, On Chesil Beach. On Chazel Beach. I think it's called On Chesil Beach. <laughs> no. Yes. On Chesil Beach. Yeah, it's one of those British What's novels. That? It's by that guy. Uh, what guy? Oh, Charles Dickens? No, no, much more contemporary than that. Mm-mm. I- Ian McEwen? I have no idea. Is that a person? Is Ian McEwen a British author? I don't Did know. Did he write Atonement? I just, I didn't Whatever. even watch that movie. I think it's I sort of like, like that. that. It was Sir Ronan and a handsome guy, and it was all about how he like prematurely came on her leg the first night they were married, and then he called her frigid, and they didn't. Then they broke up that night and were regretted it for the rest of their lives. <laughs> if you think I'm, I'm not even joking, that's a true story. <laughs> That 
is. Oh, I hope. And it's like a two and a half hour movie about that. <laughs> Jack. That is incredible. I kid you not. How these things get funding. It's how based these, on I a just, book. And someone was like, yes. And then oh I was like, God. wait, is this real? I started fast forwarding because I was like, what? what's, what's going to be, what's going to uh, happen? Cause, and you were like, I can't believe well, it. Well, the whole movie okay, takes going. place on their wedding night and in flashbacks uh-huh. of like how they met and their families, uh-huh. et cetera. And then, uh-huh. but essentially, like the point of drama happens on the night they get married, and there's all this awkwardness uh-huh. leading up to them consummating the relationship. They're both virgins, I guess. And then uh-huh. she gives them, she's giving, she's, I guess, listened to a manual or read a book on like how to do sex. And did you say listened to a manual? Well, whatever. It's old. Yeah. Time. It's like the 60s or yeah, 50s. Yeah. So then right, she's right. putting it, one of the things she remembers is she hears a voice in her head that says, like, if he's struggling to, to, enter you give him a hand and so she gives him a hand and then he comes before like she even gets in her and then he's humiliated and then he runs away or she runs away onto the beach and then you know one or the other goes after the other and then he's like you're frigid and then um they decide to not be together and then she becomes a famous part of a string quartet and has like a happy life with her what? with the cellist no listen this is real and then I can't believe he this. has a sad sad life and then at the end he's sitting there as like a 70 year old in crazy prosthetics watching crazy prosthetics Sir Sharonin perform her last performance and they cry from afar and she cries too from the stage she's holding her violin crying because she sees him and he's crying and um, <sighs> regrets this is trash or maybe it's, it's genius. Just, I don't know. I don't think so. It's it's. But anyways, not. you were telling like, me of a movie you watched on Fast Forward on the plane. Okay, well, we did a bunch. I did A Quiet Place with John oh, Krasinski yeah, and Emily Yeah, I saw Emily the very Blunt. beginning and the very end of that one because I slept through the rest. I was like, this movie's so boring. I don't care. I fast forwarded really quickly to like any point of action. I have a question. Did When the mm-hmm. little boy at the beginning gets snatched mm-hmm. away because of the... Mm-hmm. Were you like deserves it because that's how i felt work work i really <laughs> let me tell you what i watched that part twice how many times did they have to tell him i was just i was really like well i was really like for us in the beginning everyone's being so nice to him so patient with him as he basically like puts all their lives in danger like on repeat and then, I mean, my problem with the movie is they have this child who's, like, a child, so it's going to make noise. Right. And then, you know, he takes the airplane, puts, re-puts the batteries back in, like, mm. turns it on, what have you, blah, 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 snatched away. Snatched. That, and I was like, well, yeah. Cut to that then she gets pregnant. Disaster. And is like, I'm going to give birth to, like, a crying baby in this place where if you make any sound you die aliens come and like eat you i was asleep for this Um, part but i know what happened because then i was awake at the end well it also takes john krasinski i know because he does a kamikaze right well because his kids are in a truck because you know they went somewhere like made noise i mean it was just it really again floats back to your mother's statement of like why is anyone having children i mean here's the question though why at this Mm. point did nobody figure out that like you could just like have a remote object that would make noise and then you know move over you know just like hello just use technology make a noise it was so dumb the movie was so dumb directed by john krasinski who i adore 
door. How about the wipe off board? Do you remember the wipe off board? Queen. The wipe off board that was just like no, it's noise. Be quiet. Or I mean, I was yeah, like, exactly. you guys, it was like the, how can that still the, be on the wipe off board after all these years? The thing, the thing, the things that they had like taped up on the wall of like, what does this or that, or that it ended up being the daughter's hearing aid that can really like repel them back. Oh my God. Like, it was trash garbage. Yeah. Um, and I really, and I, I adore Emily Blunt and I like John Krasinski's face. She did a lot of um, good quiet acting, Emily Blunt. Well, Emily Blunt's great. I mean, her whole like, oh my God, I gave birth in this bathtub. Like, I thought she, you know, did great. It was just it, like the movie of all, like, yeah, their basement of this is what, ha- you know, if you make a sound, they'll come and get you. So don't. What does it like to eat? Is what that should have been on there. It should have, you know, right. it should have been a comedy. Um, <laughs> fast forward through that. What else did I fast forward through? Um, oh. I watched the Met scene from Oceans 8. Ugh. Um, again, terrible. Like, not good. Don't all their faces um, just look absurd? Well, it's it's a real, like, there you go. You know, I um, liked, I mean, I, I enjoyed that movie because um, it had literally no tension. It was just like, oh my God, let's plan this heist and then everything's just going to work out. And you're like, okay. Clonopin. Super Clonopin. Also, it was ridiculous to me that they decided to like wait until like a certain moment to have Sarah Polson pull the necklace out of the pool. Oh yeah. Like just drop that shit on the ground right away and be like, Oh, we found it. And then oh, things totally. could just go on. Uh, for, then they had Instead sh- they like get everyone. But did they need everyone they were, to leave? Is that the thing? They needed everyone to leave so that Kate Blanchett could go into the other room and steal all of those oh. other necklaces. I did like, I, guess. I did love how they all left with like, the special new piece of jewelry that Mindy Kaling made for them from the diamonds. I guess. I mean, sure. You know who was really Again, good in I that was... movie? Anne Hathaway. Rihanna. Oh, Anne Hathaway. Well, Anne Hathaway playing herself. She was good. I I don't know what to tell you. I mean, if you were kind of like, I wonder what she's like. I'm sure that's it. Um, and uh, I always think about how she like sent those breakfast sandwiches back like eight times on set. Oh, Anyhow. Yeah. Um, uh, what else did I fast forward through? Mm, something else that I guess was so clearly unmemorable I can't remember. And then I started watching this series that my sister wanted me to watch called Killing Eve. Oh, yes. I'm here for it. It's good. Um, I'm into it. I really... It's it's a comedy. It's a thriller. Yeah. Um, I love that woman who was in Dr. Foster who plays the assassin yeah i can't remember her name right now the fashion but she's, assassin but she's a fashion assassin she really is she's a fashion assassin. she's really great um i you know I, it's does it have some like issues sure what doesn't um but i in terms of trying to find something to watch i'm sure i will watch um another three episodes on the plane ride home tomorrow wow that's great i'm glad you found your yeah. thing I found a thing. I found a new thing to watch. I mean, my brilliant friend is really what I'm mainly here for. But well, I, um, I watched another weird movie on the plane back called Puzzle, which was about um, a wom- a sad, unhappy woman who's sort of OCD in a in a marriage in Connecticut, and she realizes she's good at puzzles, and then she goes to buy a puzzle and sees a sign to like 
become someone's professional puzzle partner and then she falls in love with that guy and they do a competition and then they win and then she space is about doing puzzles and it was terrible Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, I really I I think yeah, your film recaps are really they should they they should be transcribed into like three sentences and put on like to ever review because it they're always completely on brand. I mean, um, did you did you understand that I meant jigsaw puzzles while I was saying that? Oh uh, yeah. Oh wow. Oh yeah, okay. I got it. I got it. I really got it. I could I could fully picture the whole movie. Yeah. Um I could picture the whole kind of like waspy setting and like oh yeah. Yeah. yeah it's very who plays the who plays the husband and who uh, plays the guy she falls in love with? Nobody and nobody. Well you didn't even ask who plays the main character. Well, who plays the main character? Oh gosh. She's Yep, exactly. She's a British I was trying to British. Picture, She's British, yet she lives in Connecticut. Well, she plays an American in the movie. Uh-huh. Her name's like I was trying to Kelly. picture like what her husband looks like and who she leaves him oh, for. Oh, he looks like a you know a piece of furry meat. Uh huh. And then who? What is the guy who she leaves him for? Sort of like, like a mysterious Indian man. Is who she leaves him for? Well, she doesn't actually. She doesn't. I think she leaves them both. Oh, and then she leaves them both. Because okay. she wants to go to Montreal. That's her dream. So the end of the movie, she's on the Acela going up to Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> going to Montreal is her dream. Yeah. <laughs> she decides well, to not good go to Belgium luck. for the finals because oh. they won the nationals and they don't go to the international puzzle competition because she's got to go to Montreal. For what? Who knows? Who cares? Her son becomes I, a cook. It's dumb. I can't. It sounds really dumb. Uh, and it also felt like... And the, the reason I was curious about who the guy was that she leaves her husband for is I was picturing this kind of like Connecticut wasty, what have you, and that somehow she was going to go to something sort of more exotic. So I was picturing actually it was like a Jewish guy who's like the guy who does the puzzles, but you've told me that it's um, uh, uh, an Indian yeah, guy. Yeah, well... Yeah. And then... So. The thing that you would like most is that Hollywood. I started Hereditary as we were essentially descending. So uh-huh. I was watching. Hadn't you seen no, it? No, I've never seen it. Okay. Uh-huh. So I was watching it, and I saw that Harriet was watching it about like fifteen minutes ahead of me, and we were sitting next uh-huh. to each other. And we're wa- um. I'm watching it. I'm watching it, and I'm sort of like I'm getting into it, and I get to the part, you know, the part where the daughter's head gets hit by the pole, right? And I. Uh-huh. Like, I'm I'm sort of like, okay, I'm watching it, and then I'm, like, getting more... I'm really, like, sitting up straighter, because I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. She's, like, asphyxiating in the back seat, and then she, like, uh-huh. sticks her head out the window, and I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Bye. And Harriet, meanwhile, videotaped the entire thing of me having this reaction, because she knew it was coming. Oh, I'm so glad that we have that content so that we can post that with really, this episode. It is a really, truly incredible video because it was one of the most shocking things I've seen on film. I thought it was so... We just talked about Hereditary yesterday, Joe uh, and Lauren and Jeremy and I, because when you watch it on a plane, a lot gets edited. Oh. So there's like a whole like gore to the end that gets edited out for the plane. Well, I definitely which, didn't get oh. to the end and I don't know if I should even keep going because I only got to the... 
The head got. We should keep going. Head got chopped. I think the girl's head getting like hit off is pretty is kind of the most. Um, did and then I wonder if on the plane did they show the head? Oh yeah, with the flies. Yeah, the flies and maggots on it. But I wow, mean, they showed that, but they don't show this other thing that happens the at the end. The most absurd part of the movie. I the mean, plane. the most kind of incredible. Well, the boy's performance in the car after the head gets lopped off is one of the oh. most amazing things I've seen of him. Guilt. Kind of Real just guilt. being like, uh, and then and then trying to say, but it not fully coming out of him to saying, "Are you all right?" But he just is like, "Are you?" It is incredible and then he goes home and gets in bed yep and then did you get you hear tony collette the next morning amazing tony collette is really that scene of her flipping out is really like that's exactly right she's really good that was good yeah that that was was exactly right and just and then did you get to the scene where she's like on the floor just screaming i want to die yes uh, I got to the part where the lady from Handmaid's Tale is like, I, w- yes. I want to help oh, you. Isn't, she's so good. So the whole reason I went to even go see that movie is because Jen Harris told me about that woman's two parking. That woman has two parking lot scenes. Oh, there's another one. And Jen, there's another one at a Michael's oh. or something like at a craft store. It's, that woman's really What's good. What's her name on Handmaid's Tale? Like Auntie Mame, Aunt. Yep, that's right. Auntie Mame. <laughs> And Auntie Maine in Handmaid's Tale. And that's really it. What is her name? That's really it. Auntie Mom. Aunt. Auntie Mom is another good one. What's her name? Um, Aunt Ida. No. No. Aunt Enid. Aunt. I can't. I really can't think of it. This happened to me on the way. When we got off the plane from... Europe, we were going through customs, and I and I was like, you know, what's weird, like, because there were several people waiting waiting out on the jet bridge with um, wheelchairs for like, you know, people getting off the plane who needed wheelchairs, and I was like, right. you know, what's crazy right. when you get off the plane in like the Middle East, there will be like an army of people with wheelchairs because a lot of like senior citizens, regardless of how ambulatory they are, will they want to be rolled through the airport? Wow. Yeah. And Wait, how did you think of that while we're talking about Aunt Ida from Handmaid's Tale? Because I'm, cause I'm going to tell you a story about how I couldn't remember a word. Okay. And when were you in the Middle East? Well, this is the story. So I was like, because I okay. saw this one time when I got off a plane for a 24-hour layover in this place, w- whose name is something simple, which I cannot remember. And I was like, you know that place, Harriet, right? I was like, you know, the place where they like built lakes and islands and it's the tallest building and it's like a piece you know it's a shit place it's like one of those like it's like a place they built in the middle of the desert which is like they shouldn't have even bothered you know what i mean but instead they built like a metropolis and then i couldn't remember the name of it so i was like well i was like i know that it's not darfur and i know that it's not Jaf- it's, it's not. not jafar but it's Wow, like it's that. really not Jafar. Let me tell you what. And then Harry Let me tell was, you that Harriet, it's definitely we not so a character from tired Aladdin. That Harry was also like, I know what you're talking about, and I it's too. Dubai. It, you, and then yeah, she got it. She got it it's like three Dubai. minutes later. Dubai. Well, as soon as you said they shouldn't have built this thing there, and you were talking about like lakes and towers and basically like extreme uh, kind of condo capitalism. Mm-hmm. 
um, I was like, Dubai. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I spent a day in Dubai. Yeah, a, a, a place for, you know, uh, basically like venture capitalist capital. Well, it's also a place that's so hot that you literally can't go outside. So they built everything inside malls, like ski slopes and like every like everything is just inside because you cannot walk outside. Oh, we should tour there someday. I mean, if they if they've got all that money that they have to like try and you know hide around, they definitely like, have uh, theaters, so we could do that. They do actually. They NYU had there's an NYU Dubai. Oh my god! Um, and there is a, a great uh, theater director who of Theater Me Too, which used to be in New York City. That is uh, Ruben, wow. who is now at Dubai. I mean, I should and this amazing actress Aishan Chelik, I believe, is there. I should give them a ring and be like what is going on with experimental theater and stuff over there girl have me over did i did i um, did i tell you that i ended up having a good time in dusseldorf no, well what you said was that the collaboration with uh robert benet went really well yeah. and that he's he's like a great person to work with yeah. canadian bless um and that then you got to go to uh, Vupertal and see brie and doug yeah and the canadian dancers in the ballet am Rhein, the deutsch opera Ballet on Rhine, like um, Helen Claire and Arthur and Sonia, they were lovely. It was really nice to meet Robert's friends. But so, I mean, maybe Canada is a place we should go. Everyone seems nice there. Oh, I, yeah. We could live in Toronto. Would we want, I would, I guess I could live in Toronto. I mean, Queen, as, as I said, I got to SF and I was like, I guess I could live here. I mean, Robert is smart. I posted that video of Burr's piece with Maggie on my mm-hmm. Facebook and mm-hmm. Robert watched it right away and then he texted me and he was like this is brilliant and I was like you really get it you really get it mm. you really got it um well I mean yeah we could go to Toronto yeah we could isn't it really cold there from like December to May I mean it's pitch black in New York I'm sure it's really it's... cold there from like October to May yeah yeah, that's a lot. Canada is really cold, but it's okay. Everywhere is really cold that, you know, we live and have lived. It's true. Well, I've been on the West Coast. I've really... Uh, isn't I mean, it? It's kind of mind-altering, because then you're like, I. why do people not live here? Because California is I'm, just so nice. That's what I feel like. I'm really like, wow. I. It's... I mean, this is one day the fog came in, and so we were just like blanketed in fog at 3 p.m., and it was wild. And then we drove through this tunnel to this place that I think it's called like Gray Whale Beach. And on the other side of the tunnel, it was totally bright. Wow. Did you eat the most Gorgeous delicious sun. food? I've had some pretty good food. I don't know. I mean, when you live in New York, don't you feel kind of spoiled in that no, way? No, San I mean, Francisco food is like one million times better. Huh. <laughs> Where did Joe and Lauren take you for lunch? We went to Tartine Manufacturing. Amazing. I thought it was good. So good. Yeah, I thought it was good. I mean, I... Mm, well, you also, no, I like, guess I've had... you have interesting food habits and also, like, interesting ideas about what's good. Oh. Well, you eat those deli true. meat salads and you love sort of, like, <laughs> hot mush you know, I like eating food at your house, but it's always something I've never experienced. <laughs> Hot mush. I did think, I mean, I literally said to Jeremy today, I was like, oh, let's make Jamie and Juan Pablo dinner tonight. Like, 
you know, why don't we, <laughs> we go over to that market and get some shaved meat? And he was like, a deli meat salad. You want to make them a deli meat salad for dinner? I, like, I love a deli meat salad. <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> it because is. it's not it really like, is. it's not like a cob mm-hmm. salad with like cubes of chicken and cubes of ham. It's literally no. like a salad no, with meat. like, like little squares Shaved. of sliced turkey <laughs> from the package. Yeah, all organic and what have oh, you. Oh, God. I mean, I get it. I get it. Like, I've seen, Ugh. like, someone... Did it just make you oh, sick thinking about it? it just gives me such the willies to think about, like, <laughs> biting into a cube of something that you think is going to be cheese, but it's actually stacked deli meat. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I served it to you, and you just couldn't, couldn't believe it. You just couldn't wrap no. your mind around it. Because I'd also, like, cut the cheese. It was like a Mashango cheese. Man- that- Manchego? Manchego. <laughs> Manchango, <laughs> a manchango chase. Manchango, please. <laughs> That's like that Becky Abrams commercial for Hannaford, where she's like, "Cheese, please." Incredible, she, incredible. She's really incredible. amazing in that commercial. That commercial is exceptional. <laughs> Becky Abrams in that Hannaford's commercial. That is. Oh my God, that is amazing, listeners! If you are feeling <clears throat> depressed. Go to Vimeo, Becky. Abe, we'll post it. We'll post yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, 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 Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy will grab it. And we'll post it for you, and it can just live there. Uh, um, when you were in uh, Dusseldorf and Wuppertal, were you like, "Oh, I want to live in Europe"? Oh no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, <clears throat> Doug and Brianna's apartments were so extraordinary that I was like, "This yeah, is sure. nice. This is really good." Right. But then I, right. you know, then I thought about actually living there, and I was like, "This is not. This is hard. This is hard." I mean, that the way, the way that people treat you, <laughs> I mean, this is so like, absurd. Like, like going into kind of like, oh, the last day Harriet and I were walking around, and there was like a Christmas market. We were like, "Oh my god, this is mm-hmm. fun! Let's just like get one of those like German sausages on a roll and like do that because we're yeah. leaving, and let's just like get German." Yeah, yeah. We go up to the counter, and there are ten kinds of essentially the same sausage, and so uh-huh. the person is like, "What do you want?" And we were we were sort of like, "Hmm." And then you sort of look at them, expecting them to be like, to help you, to be like, oh, oh no, girl, oh no, they just mm-hmm. are like, what? And then finally, yeah, yeah. I just pointed at one, and the way, just just the way they then deliver the food to you and tell you the price, and like, it's really bad. It's really mean and like unpleasant. And every day, like going into the hotel. It was the kind of hotel where you have to leave your key at the front desk when you leave. Why? Because it was, I don't know, it's because they want to service your room all day long. Like, And they don't have like do not disturb signs. So like, if your key is left at the front desk when you leave, which it has to be, you don't have a choice, 
they are in and out of your room, like turning it down for the evening or like opening and closing the blinds and like leaving you little pieces of cake. And it's like, let's leave me alone. I don't, <laughs> I don't need you to. I mean, that part sounds chic. Well, you would think, but except annoying. for the fact that like you go downstairs and you're like, hi, I'd really like a cup of water. And there's like, no. And you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, work. No, you'll get cake at four. Exactly. I'm like, no. <laughs> Or, like, Harriet would come back to the hotel at, like, noon after doing something, and she's like, I'd like to go in my room. And they're like, oh, this might be impossible. I mean, it was really, it's not great. But, no, you know, we, we had a, a decent time. And our friend, like, our Canadian friends there were telling us all these stories about, like, running away from police officers who, because, like, the ru- rules there are just so, oh, my God, Jack, this story will blow your mind. So, I'm ready. they love rules in Germany, love it. Uh-huh. So this girl Mary Helen told us this story, where a friend of hers was riding her bike um, mm. late at like at four in the morning, and there was literally no cars on the road. Right, so she was just like, "Oh, I'll ride on the wrong side because like." Is this in Dusseldorf? Yeah, I'll ride yeah. my bike on the wrong side because this is like you know the direction I need to go. And an old man was like standing at the side of the road and stuck his arm out and knocked her off her bike because she was riding uh-huh. on the wrong side. Wow. I know. Like, that is their relationship to, like, rules and, like... Yeah, I remember, like, in high school... I mean, I haven't been to Germany since high school, but, like, I remember going through Germany and Austria and just being, like... And then years later, reading Alfred Jelinek, who's an Austrian writer, and was writing about um, Austria, really, and the sort of uh, undercurrent of rules and... Um, yars and yars a lot and of yars. Yars and yars of rules, and also in her book, certainly talking about um, neo-Nazis and uh, the past of Nazis and um, being like yeah this this feels pretty pretty on brand um, yeah so not that not that place place to visit place to tour to and get some you know cake and have your blinds open and closed yeah um, but you know not that um, what did uh, Joe's and Lauren's apartment was so cute lovely so lovely. I've spent really many a night them. there. <laughs> On the couch? Yeah. 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 It was really, really sweet. Just, that was really lovely. Oh, yeah, but it's true. The thing about, I was trying to think, why was I thinking? I was, when they drove us to this place, I mean, they, we drove through the, um, the, kind of that main park where there's a museum and stuff like that, uh-huh. and like Gold, a lookout tower. Golden Gate Park. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Where there's all, like, the the gardens? Uh-huh. That's Golden Gate Park? Yeah. But it's so far away from Golden Gate Bridge. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but... Yeah, the park is where there's the big museum, and there's, like, the, the Japanese garden, and... Yeah, there was the science museum and this other museum, and at the top of that museum is a viewpoint. I don't know where... I mean, I just go where these people drive me. Okay. Um... I guess I guess it was Golden Gate Park, um, but yeah, I did think, wow, the choice that we make of living in New York. I know where it is. I mean, this winter feels particularly bleak. I mean, is it a choice? I feel literally like uh, we don't have a choice. It's where our work is. I know it's true. It's, it's where our jobs are. Yeah, and it's what we're based out of. Yeah, and I do love it. Even after all these years, I still really love New York. Yeah. 
I do get some joy out of it. I mean, like yesterday, I took Cunningham class, and then I had a meeting at the Performing Arts Library, and then I met, and then I did some research, and then I met Russell for dinner at a great Chinese restaurant on the Upper West Side, and then we went up to St. John the Divine for a nine thirty performance of Anthony Roth. Oh, Costanzo. you saw it? Yeah. And Justin had done choreography, yeah. right? Well, you know, and it was Calvin Klein, yeah, and George Kondo, like George Kondo, Calvin Klein, Anthony Roth Constanza, and Justin Peck. Yeah, I mean, it was fun, and Anthony was incredible. He was like, he yeah. gave like this most athletic marathon of singing, and he had done it. He'd already done it that night, so I saw the second one, wow. and he was just like, wow. he sang like ten songs. He sang for an hour, and. Wow. And like moved, and the orchestra, the knights were the orchestra, and they were incredible. And um, the dancers were in these amazing Calvin Klein like fringe rags that were so beautiful. And um, on the program, it didn't list that like Justin was going to be dancing. And at one point, I looked over to the dance stage, and this like I saw a man from behind, and I was like, "Whoa, who's that going to be?" And then he turned around, and I was like, "Oh my God, Justin is so handsome!" Like. I yeah, my experience with really him handsome. is very just like personal and up close and like yes he's handsome and but like from a distance when you take the whole thing in I was really like wow yeah um, she's honey she is tall dark and handsome and Patricia was gorgeous and Zoe and Daniel were great and this other guy who I don't know who's like a so you think you can dance kind of Broadway baby was great and is Daniel Applebaum Daniel Applebaum was in it yeah yeah and but you know. To be honest, like, it was one of those shows that was just like, let's just, like, get all these popular people to get, you know, I, all I really needed was Anthony and the orchestra and everything else was, Mm. like, more than I needed. I was, I mean, when I looked at everything that was involved, I was like, wow, this is... It was... A lot. Yeah, it was quite the event. collaboration Meanwhile, like, they also, Ryan McNamara contributed those seat wheeler things things so they did that to us during the show and from his piece meme and we right so i got wheeled wait who produced the show what's happening um, all of a sudden it's really it does seem visionaire ah there we go like listen there these are go. all the people involved i'm going to read you from the program okay uh-huh so this is george Conda was the painter who did a live painting mm-hmm. behind the orchestra during the show Mm-hmm. So that'll then get sold for zillions of dollars. And there'll be sure. four of them, because there's four performances, and plus the ones in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Raph Simmons for Calvin Klein did all the clothes, including mm-hmm. the clothes for the chair pushers, which there was 50 of. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Peck did the choreography. Ryan McNamara did the like um, concept for the moving. James Ivory did the a The chair moving. Yeah, James Ivory did a mm-hmm. film. Picks Tal. James Ivory did a film. There was like ten films for one film for each song, right? So. And where did those play? Those played on a screen all around. No, they played on a screen that was like the third station. There was like the dance station, the opera station, and the film station. Uh-huh. So there was Pix, Talarico, Mark Romanek, Tilda Swinton, Sandro Kopp, Marissa Tomei, Daniel Askill, Maurizio Catalan, Pierre Paolo Ferrari, Rupert Sanders, AES&F, Micheline Thomas, those are all the filmmakers, and then The Knights, which was the orchestra. Um, Wait, all the filmmakers 
Wait, those were the people who were in the films. No, they made them. Like, I guess Tilda made a f- film of her dogs. I think you can watch them online. But um, okay, but wait, but what about what was Merchant Ivory doing? They had their own film that was separate from those. No, it was all part of just the films. Yeah, there was a film for each song. Uh huh. But Merchant Ivory was I? It's so I'm just I'm James Ivory. I think the other one's dead. Oh. <laughs> it was just James Ivory. James Ivory did a movie, and all these other people did movies. Too. Yes, they all directed little got it. movies. Got it. And mm-hmm. so Got it was it. a lot. And I, I, I think Anthony in his gorgeous Calvin Klein dumpling costumes, because he had this amazing red one on, and then that came off, and there was an amazing blue one, and then under that was an amazing white one that had been painted by George Condo. So Anthony, with his shoes and his clothes and the orchestra, was... Spectacular. Good uh-huh. enough. It was all I needed. And it, when I, the first, I got rolled to right in front of Anthony for the for most of the show, which was thank God, that was great. That's nice. Did Anthony uh, look at you and like wave in between and go, "Hey, girl"? You know, he never saw me, and I texted him, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't know he didn't see me." But I was like, "You were amazing," or whatever. And he was like, "Oh my God, how did I not even see you?" He was like, "I was in survival mode." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it sounds like a real gauntlet of things. Well, to sing so two it's... hours of like glass music and then this relentless wow. handle arias with all these insanely challenging melismas that just take like the most oh, incredible incredible amount of like core work to like move your body that much it was really amazing and had justin choreographed something for each of these songs well you know it was really like this is some of here's some material and then do it over and over again or do it slowly during the duration of that song and so like one dancer at a time would do a song essentially until the very end when they all came together for the last song because it's just like a lot wow i mean well i'm also like when do they rehearse all of this i think it was a real like these are the things i know let's put a show together right right but I mean, also, I mean, the chair movers have to have choreography for them as oh, well. That I'm was sure that very all just, like, it's interface And Andrew and Pester, yeah. our friend of the podcast who's helped us, was like one of the main oh, yeah. main chair movers. He was directing traffic. Um, and Rue. And Rue Instagram. What else was I going to tell you? Oh, I saw that movie Boy Erased. Oh, how was it? Wasn't great. It was clearly yeah, like made by guess. someone who is just like a straight white Australian, and it was felt like an Australian movie because everyone in it was Australian except for Lucas Hedges. Lucas was so good in Lady Bird, and he was so good in Manchester by the Sea. He's always so good. Yeah, I'm glad we have these two young male actors who are like kind of getting it. Timothy and Lucas. Yes, yeah. Timothy. Um. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not planning on seeing that movie. You don't it's have just, to. I, it's, it's sort of not my, not my bag. Nicole Kidman just, is in it, and that's always fun. I love Nicole Kidman. Anyone who listens to this knows that. I think she's fantastic. I can't wait for the new Big Little Lies to come out. Yeah. Um. Oh, we were playing a game last night of you know Desert Island, and you only have one movie. So what is it? You're on a desert island, reading. You get to take one movie with well, you. Well, my very it? first reaction was men don't leave but maybe it should be something Work. more uplifting than that well you you know you're on this desert island and then you're gonna get to go to like watch this movie here and there to kind of perk yourself up i think it's that i'm like not annoyed by anyone in that movie i it is the most reliable movie to like make me have all the feelings you know um okay so then what's 
the the nice part is then someone goes, you know what, you get to bring one more. So what's <laughs> Wait, that? what was your first one? Mommy Dearest. Oh yeah, of course for you, yeah. I was and I said in like a revelation to myself, which made people laugh, that I was like, I think it's the best comedy. <laughs> yeah. And people laughed at that. I had was sort of like realizing that in that moment but it just really it continually makes me laugh at you know it's there's it's it's a very meme kind of movie you know like if you watch it with this with the subtitles on at all sort of like a meme um so what's your second one uh i i I almost said home for the holidays with holly hunter but i think it, it might actually be the talented mr ripley Bizarre, Isn't that weird? So what was so crazy was Jamie's first choice was Silence of the Lambs. I mean, and I was what like, a great movie. What? And he was like, it's so great. I see it at least once a year. He was like, it has all, everything in it. It's a, it's a thriller. It's a, it's a comedy. It's like Lecter is... Who doesn't laugh at Chianti and Fava Beans? It's so good. Um, he was like, and you get to watch um, uh, this... A incredible woman played by Jodie Foster overcome obstacles mm-hmm. <clears throat> well um, what was your second choice my second choice which was weird because you know I love I mean my favorite movies are probably more like opening night and possession right. but as I thought about what if I was on this island and would therefore be coping with like depression and survival it was mommy dearest and then the second one was um, truth or dare Oh my god! <laughs> because because it has these sections from Blonde Ambition in it that are just so incredible that I was like, I can always, I can always go back. I mean, what's so great about? I mean, I miss Jamie so much. I I, I really, I'm I'm. She's a very dear friend who is living in San Francisco, and we really always get into some Madonna theory, of course, mm. and basically retread the material mm. we've already re- like discussed. But that performance in Blonde Ambition of Like a Virgin with her Gold LeMay, Gautier, uh, Brassier, um corset, and it, like, it's just, it's beyond reproach. It's so incredible. I have some runner, um, runners-ups, though. Like, clo- like, Talented Mr. Ripley is a sort of, like, in a tie with, like, um, the whole Harry Potter series. No, no, no series of movies ever gave me a thrill to like when I'd sit down in the theater and one of those movies was about to start, I felt, you know, crazed, like, oh my God, I feel so, I'm so happy to be here. I never had that ever for Harry Potter. It just didn't exist for me. Like I was sort of like, hmm, I loved them. I will, I'm not, I don't know. I liked them. Yeah. Did you, did you read them? That's the thing. No. So someone gave me the first four books after they had come out, and I was like, I don't know, this seems weird. Like, well, I'm an right. adult. And then I started reading them, yeah. and I was like, I get it. And then, like, every time a book would come out, I'd be like, I need it. I have to read it right now. And then when the movie started to come oh. out, I mean, forget about it. I was really like, uh. <laughs> That's how, for sure, for sure, you and many, 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 many people had. I also like. I didn't the mo- read the books. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I had read, I had read, like, the trilogy, I believe, was called His Dark Materials, and the first one was called The Golden Compass, and I read that, I think, when the Harry Potter books were also coming out, like, I was 20. Who are you talking about? Why are you saying him? Who's him? When did I say him? 
The guy who wrote The Golden Compass? No, I said, no, it was called His Dark Materials was the name of the trilogy. for. It goes The Golden Compass, The Subtle Knife, The Something Something. Um, And I read those... And and they're they're basically kind. Of, and you know, I was like twenty one when I was reading them. And I I feel like and at the time I had a boyfriend who would call them my magic bean books. Mm. And kind of like shame me for reading them. And then um, no one should be shamed for I, reading. It's <laughs> 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 our PSA. <laughs> the PSA no one should be shamed for reading <laughs> even even if it's Charlotte's Web Ugh, that's a great know? book I mean maybe oh, that book is fantastic there's probably some things you shouldn't read but at any rate yeah I mean I can think of some books that are just what's well, been hard in terms of it's been hard to find a book post Ferrante that's fiction it's been hard to read fiction for me post Ferrante because i feel so it's really difficult for me to read like when a book has a lot of style to it we just received a book in the mail we did well i did and i think you'll be getting your copy as well oh yeah how did we get that okay carl okay wait a second Uh, i went through all my emails to try and figure out how we got that book no 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 how i got that book uh, because the address I gave someone the address. <laughs> you gave them my home address? <gasps> Probably. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> when I got the book, I was really like, wait, what? And I was like, how did I get this? Because I generally have such a steel trap for things. And then I was like, hmm. And I couldn't figure out if it was because I was talking to like Jean-Marc and he was like, oh, you should read this no, book and had it sent to me from, from Oxford Press. It's from that guy, Carl. Is he the guy who wrote the book? No, a friend of his wrote the book and then he thought his friend wanted to send us copies or he wanted his friend to send us copies. So he asked for our addresses. Don't you have the book at your house? So the book is by James Steichen or Steichen and it's Balanchine and Kirstein, Kirstein's American Enterprise. Right. And so how did we get this? Carl. Carl who? Carl. You know him. Mm. I think he does those puppets. Oh my God. Yes. Carl Marx. But I mean, that can't... Is that his real name? I think so. Because in my mind, I kept thinking Carl Marx. And I was like, no. So I just said Carl. No, it's Carl Marx. That's right. I just got that because I got that book right before we left. And I was like, how did I get this? Who did I meet? How did someone get my home address? It was me. I'm um, sorry. I did it. And it was you. You did it. Okay. Well, we need to thank him. Oh. What's his name? James Steichen. Dame, James Steichen. Thank you. I haven't met you. I, no. um, I thank you, Carl Marx, for sending us these books. Yeah. Um, and, um, Looks very good. Yeah. Well, we'll get to read about um, Lincoln Kirsten. It's got a great cover. Isn't the cover amazing with that girl looking at him being like, where do you want me to put my arm? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what reason. I'm obviously more photographic. Um, but I remember looking at that and being like, wow, this is a photo I really haven't seen. No, never seen it. Balanchine looks so young and handsome. Yeah. He really does. Um, he really does. What else was I going to tell you? By the way, that's going to be shored up shortly. I, I was chatting with Craig Hall and like, oh, about something. And he was like, we're about to make the decision and I'll have more time after that. Oh, great. Yeah. 
That's good. It's, it's gone online enough. Russell had a great idea for upcoming episodes before the new year where we do our like top 10 lists. Oh, I think that's great. Yeah. Top 10. 10. 10 what? 10 shows. Do you know what I mean? Our t- our t- our t- do we do like favorite podcast episodes? I hate to pick a favorite oh, guest. It's so mean. Of ours? It's like that's impossible. We're not going to do that. I absolutely can't do that. Although I do still um, feel honored that I made top 10 of the conversations on dance podcast favorites. I was their 10. Uh, yeah. Well, that makes sense. I think it was... You're a really great guest and very knowledgeable. Well, I, I think that maybe our episode for them made their top, but I'm not totally sure. Hmm. And maybe it was a Reed and Harriet episode or, or I can't remember. Weren't you on it? Just yourself? No. Oh, I don't think well, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's really good. That's really good. Oh, and also remember if you're a dancer who struggles with like your mind, confidence issues get in the way, you should listen to their latest episode because Eric Trope uh, talks about, um, you know, the psychology of anxiety and dance and how to overcome that and how he has dealt with it and tried to overcome it. And he's a dancer at Miami City Ballet. It's a very good episode. I always say use it. Use Use that anxiety because if you're not kind of afraid out on stage, you know, people fade back. Though you're not afraid on stage and you're really fun to watch, but it's a very different thing because you also get, look so relaxed. Like I've, you know, you could fall asleep on stage and that's an exciting (laughs) thing to watch too. I've seen you do it twice. Um, So, you know, but I I think anxiety, some of my favorite performers just look so lethal out on stage. And it's, um, it's an exciting thing to watch. It's really part of the catharsis. As soon as I feel like everything's going to just go totally fine for the person, I start to check out. Like when I feel like it becomes more robotic Mm. and just like, no big deal. It's really like, mm, okay, well, great. Good job and whatever. Good job. Um, but that edge of, you know, that it's very lived in. I mean, it makes me think of when you talk about loving to watch Sarah, you know, yeah. that she's going to really like dance to the edge. Oh, yeah. Um, well, we're all really on the edge. I can tell you that as, as, a, as a population, as a, as a global citizen, I feel on edge. I'm really um, glad you got to go to San Francisco because it's me too. sort of my second home because of all the time I spent there as a child because my grandparents are from Berkeley. and It's so beautiful. God, your life would have been totally different if you lived out here. Oh, yeah. You would have been, I guess you'd probably be in SF Ballet. No. No? No, because I probably wouldn't have even danced. What do you think you would have done? Uh, I probably would have gone to college and like learned stuff. I think if I grew up in San Francisco, I would have become a writer oh. like just a, like only a writer because well, it's a very pensive city and it really sort of allows time you know there's the, it's that Californian time so everything is different well, in that that more slow way my dad grew up there and he is a writer and his father That's writes true. and his mother paint well they're dead but they right. you know they they were also psychologists but you know if, I mean, I could be a, a writer and a psychoanalyst. Mm-hmm. I think at this point, I'd rather be a psychoanalyst than a psychotherapist. That's, well, I think, oh. the, you know, so that would have been our other careers if we would have, if we would have lived in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. As a child, I always wanted to be an elementary school teacher because I was very fond of the idea of um, setting up bulletin boards before the kids arrived for the school year. I could see you doing that. 
and uh, like everything would be in place and the handwriting on the chalkboard would be immaculate and yeah yeah yeah. Um, yeah it would be good but okay also thank you so much to all of our listeners who have been pat- become patreon patrons and a, a huge thank you to our to our patreons and we are we're excited for the content that you will receive um, we are whether, so mysterious uh, today full mystery we are mysterious well san francisco is you know also vertigo and basic instinct two movies i also love. tales from the city you know what i mean yes that's true that's true that was a good one parker's in it also one of my favorites in the original is she mm-hmm. one of my favorite things heart and souls starring robert downey jr i've never seen that alfrey woodard kira sedgwick it's a great movie mm. Kira Sedgwick. Wow. Yeah, they play. There's four people: two men and two women. Oh, and that guy, Charles Grodin, and one other who I can't remember. And they play. Oh, I think Ernie. Who's that? That that older black actor. Maybe he was in Ghostbusters. James Earl Jones. No, Ernie. Anyways, Ernie. Um. So they play. So he is born at the same time that these four people die in a bus accident, and they all become his like guardian angels and like live with him as he grows up and at a certain point in his growing up they leave they disappear because they're kind of ruining his growth because they're like his best friends and caretakers uh-huh and so at a certain point when he's like a young child they make a decision to disappear are you talking about ernie hudson yes yes they make a choice and it might not be ernie hudson i could be totally wrong they make a choice to disappear, and he's devastated, but then he forgets about them. And then when he's in his 20s, he's dealing with relationship problems and living in a San Francisco. And then for some reason, oh, they find out that only he can help them like finish their lives on Earth and go up to heaven because they need to get him. This is a very 90s very, they need to movie. They need to get him to help them finish unresolved issues on earth before they can go to heaven and so they figure out that they can enter into his body but and they've only figured this out when he's in his middle 20s or something and so robert downey jr has to like embody all of their personalities and his acting in the movie at certain points and he's incredible and it's such a heartbreaking and heartwarming movie i suggest it highly heart and souls everybody heart and souls um all right we need to wrap up um, we loves you, everybody. We loves you. We loves you all. We will see you next week. Bye-bye. Next week, bye.